Hello, and welcome to Chasing Chalamet, a once bi-weekly podcast where I, Dane McDonald, a semi-socially functional Timothy Salome savant, and a special guest deep dive into the filmography and the work of the one, the only, Timothy Hal Chalamet. On today's episode, we are going to be talking about the adult animated music television special created by Scott Muscuddy, a.k.a. Kid Cudi, 2022's Intergalactic. We're going to cover our thoughts, our feelings, our critiques, whatever we want to say about this little Netflix project. Then we're going to discuss Timothy's performance in his role. What function does he serve to the story? Is he cast well? What does his participation in this television special bring to the table? Then, on a scale from one to five peaches, we're going to together grade Intergalactic in different categories. We're going to grade the quality of the film, Timmy's performance, his attractiveness, and most importantly, as always, his hair. So, now that we've gotten that out of the way, I'm super excited to introduce today's guest. He is a TV critic for Entertainment Weekly. Please welcome to Chasing Chalamet, Darren Franich. Darren, how are you? It's such an honor to be here. Uh, it's such an honor to talk about Jimmy, who I, I think we can agree is, you know, when Timothy Chalamet finally, I, I don't think he'll die. I think he'll ascend. Sure, but sure. Uh, at the at the 190th Academy Awards, uh, fair to say that Jimmy saying be well, Cheeto, be well is what will appear in the in memoriam montage for Timothy Chalamet. Can we can we agree on that with regards to his 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 distant ascension and how the Oscars will will remember him? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because by that point, the lines between uh, film and television and um, virtual reality and the metaverse will have blurred. Um, and when the Oscars is being projected into our, uh, you know, our cerebrum core, uh, it will definitely end with that. I think um, it'll be tough for the editors, though, because they might want to go for that little monologue he has about recovering from a hangover where he gets like his special massage and orders food. And uh, I believe the direct quote is yanks his dick. Um, yeah, it'll be tough for them to choose. But yeah, Jimmy's definitely he's definitely making the real. And I I really hope it's um like to the tune of the Call Me By Your Name score, just so we have that really like transcendent, beautiful, um, like Sufjan Stevens, you know, tune while we get um, you know, the 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 line deliveries of Jimmy. I've gotten I've gotten really bad in my old age. Like e even when I know there are celebrities and famous people and actors I know who are voicing things in movies, I've gotten very bad at figuring out who they are. Did not have that problem with Timothy Chalamet and Intergalactic. I, I have to say, sort of knew knew right away. Uh, and it's funny because well, we'll talk about this I guess further on. But it it's almost a different kind of role for him. And obviously, it's animated, but. He was so good, and I was kind of like, is this the kind of role that he should be doing way more? Right. <laughs> like, oh, can, yeah. Can we just can we just kind of like 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 stitch him like <laughs> in between him doing only starring roles in big movies, which I think is mostly what he's doing now, and, and that's a great that's an amazing thing to be that person who who's able to do that. Like, can he just like film like like a couple weeks here and there and like a few <laughs> romantic comedies? Yeah, <laughs> like, oh like, totally. Yeah. Um no, I'm t in total agreement. I'm super excited to talk about this role because it's so different from what he's done in the past. And I'm 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 curious, Darren. Like uh, I was saying off mic, I'm super excited to hear about your history with Timothy because uh, you make jokes. You're not that old. You are you are firmly within the age range of people who definitely know who Timothy Chalamet is. So I have to imagine, um, and being, of course, uh, you know, a, a critic, a writer for Entertainment Weekly, he has to, the, the knowledge of Timothy Chalamet has to be there in your periphery. So I'm super, I'm excited to hear kind of your familiarity with him as an actor and a celebrity and kind of the, the projects of his that you've seen and, and kind of your, your brief thoughts on those before we jump into uh, today's topic. Well, I think I'm like a lot of people in that the first time I ever really noticed him was when I totally despised him in Homeland season two. But but <laughs> in fairness, that was not his problem. And I actually think is uh, as I'm sure you've discussed in Homeland season two, he plays like the jerky uh, guy who is getting closer to Brody's daughter. And I believe is the vice president's son, if I yep. recall correctly. Yep. And in hindsight, his role was just kind of a larger representation 
representation of how like a once pretty good show was going totally off the rails in season two and mm -hmm. him, you know, him was this kind of bad boy. And in hindsight, when I think about him, I actually consider that role to be pretty good because he was such a wonderfully sleazy kind of, you know, DC aristocrat kid. So in, in that sense, that was my first experience of him and definitely vividly remembered him. But weirdly enough, I, I have not seen Call Me By Your Name. That is no. a big blind spot for me. Uh. I know, I know, I know. I've experienced him largely, weirdly enough, uh, in his roles in the uh, in the Greta Gerwig uh, Timothy duology of Little Women uh, and his amazing part in Lady Bird, mm -hmm. where I I, I, I kind of think of him as just playing the early two thousands, like in personified form. Like I knew a lot of those guys weirdly probably aspired to be that guy and in hindsight i'm sad i ever aspired to be him but he <laughs> played that part so well um and then of course of course i've seen him in something and i'm actually curious to know if this podcast will be encompassing this role um and it connects to intergalactic because it was his previous collaboration with kid cuddy i'm talking of course about his out the window cameo in We Are Who We Are is that is that going to be? Do do you have plans to fully cover that in in this in this podcast at some point? You know, it crossed my mind and it really came it came to a, a line I had to draw where because he didn't receive an official credit, we didn't go so far as to cover. Yeah, isn't the, isn't there? Okay, so obviously I've seen We Are Who We Are. You know, I've I've now boarded the like the Luca train, the Luca Guadagnino train, like, I will, tu I will be tuning in. And it's not hard to, you know, convince me to watch, like, an HBO miniseries, like, I am only human. Um, but yeah, I remember, and this is kind of like an HBO thing now, because weren't there all those rumors about, like, oh, Tom Holland was in uh, a brief scene in Euphoria? So they just get, like, the, um, and I use this term fondly, um, the beautiful generic white boys of the month to appear in uh, the HBO miniseries. <laughs> in uncredited roles um so no unfortunately <laughs> we won't be covering we are who we are on chasing chalamet however that was a great show and i'm glad that timmy uh walked through the background of that army base for them and i was i was double checking this today because i i, I loved that show um and uh remembered when it came out there was sort of some rumblings about his his appearance i mean we are who we are was the kind of show where like I sort of kept waiting for it to be like a huge smash sensation, and it seems to have remained a very much a thing. Like if you watched it, you loved it. It wasn't necessarily that big, but like the big takeaway from it was that in one scene, Timothy Chalamet walked to the background, and I believe it's a scene where Kid Cudi is ironing shirtless, and mm -hmm. you just sort of see, which you know, in a in a Luca Guadagnino project, of course, he looks fantastic, <laughs> even, <laughs> even even though he's playing this like super hardcore army dad, and like it doesn't seem necessary for him to look great. Like he's looking great, he's he, he's ironing shirtless, and in the background, you see Timothy Chalamet walk by. I have to imagine that was the day. I, I don't know anything about this. That was the day Kid Cudi was like, "Hey, like I'm I'm working on this project. Would you like to be involved in it?" <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's interesting. Like, if you follow Timothy, like I do, and you absorb useless information that will never come up unless you create a whole podcast to talk about it on. Um, so uh, I'll kind of give you the background there. So Timothy has talked a lot about um Kid Cudi's music and listening to it in high school and having it be a really kind of integral part of his upbringing. And actually, there is a Amazon Prime documentary about Kid Cudi. Um, where Timothy appears as a talking head and talks about this, if anyone's interested in, in learning a little bit more about that. Um, and it's actually a really good insight into Kid Cudi's music. I'm not sure entirely like where they connected, but they kind of started circling in each other's orbits. And I think it was one of those things where like Timothy was kind of publicly a fan, and then you know they probably met at some party and uh, became fast friends. And I, I want to say maybe at like either like the beautiful boy Venice premiere or one of his Venice premieres, like they came in on the boat together and it was just like, they were total bros and it was just like a lovely little bromance. Um, but yeah, then I think, <laughs> you know, probably Timothy like hooked him up with Luca. And then at some point, you know, he was working at intergalactic and then obviously that just was a natural fit. Um, and speaking of natural fits, I was super excited to have you on specifically Darren, not only because I adore you and I've wanted you on the show, um, but obviously, being the television critic for Entertainment Weekly, as soon as this project was announced as a television series, I was like, 
amazing. This is the perfect fit. Um, and of course, you know, I had reached out to you and we, we set this up months ago and, you know, we talked about how we would, you know, record once it came out and all that. Um, and then cut to a couple weeks ago where I'm like, oh yeah, shit, Intergalactic's coming out on Netflix this month or this weekend or whatever. Uh, I got to carve in some time to watch that. And then I come to learn it's been put together into a 90 minute television special. And I'm like, <laughs> well, shit. Okay. I mean, I guess this still, ca like, again, going back to what I said, the lines are blurring between all content now, so it doesn't matter. But I was, I was just, I was so excited that finally I had the perfect reason to have you on the show. And then the powers that be at Netflix just decided, nope, it's not a TV show anymore. Yeah, I, I was confounded about that too, just because in my memory of first hearing about the project, it, it was announced as a TV thing. I think it may have been that, and then it kind of morphed at some point. It is still in chapters. Yeah. And. I, I would say, um, maybe to its detriment and to its credit, it does sort of have the feeling of a music video that kind of just grew and grew and grew. <laughs> like, yeah. So, so I, I, I kind of wonder, you know, um, Netflix especially has created the golden age of projects that sound like something that Mr. Peanut Butter from BoJack Horseman would work on, where it's kind of like, <laughs> is it a movie? Is it an art installation? Is it a? Is it an album? Is it a? Who knows? But I do kind of consider it a movie and for that mm -hmm. matter i guess i kind of consider it a like romantic comedy I, I don't know would you if you had to like put a stamp on what intergalactic is in like five words or less like is that kind of is it like a genre you think it really represents or because it, it is sort of a musical but the characters are doing it's all kind of background yeah it's not diegetic and that kind of plays into what's interesting because you know i you, you can imagine being created by Kid Cudi. Uh, obviously, he could have made the character that he plays, Jabari, uh, a musical artist or a rapper or something like that. But, you know, he makes him an, an illustrator. So it's almost that thing of like, oh, I need him to be a creative, but I don't want to directly do – I don't want to have him do exactly what I do because I'm this is my art and I'm doing something different. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess musical romantic comedy would be one way of putting it. As someone who so outwardly loves – Disney, I consider adult animation like its own category. So like I would almost yeah. include like adult animation in that just that because sense. it is such a specific subgenre. And it's interesting because so much of the style of this, like the Into the Spider-Verse version of animation, yeah. because it has such dynamicism and um I don't know, just the the blocking of it and the shapes of it, it's all it all just has that very like kinetic feeling that into the spider-verse have so yeah it's it's hard to pin down what that is and i wonder if that went into the thought process behind making it into this like quote-unquote tv movie because you're right they still break it into chapters you see where the episodes would have ended and maybe there was kind of more there there and they just kind of made some cuts to kind of put it together but yeah it is an it's an interesting yeah because then there's also the accompanying album that he released so it really is this kind of like um, we're in this age now where Kid Cudi is he's an actor now and, and he's a great he's a good actor. I think he's great and we are who we are. I think he's a really big talent. So, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that in a shady way whatsoever, but it's almost like if he was going to have control of this project, um, he was going to act, he was going to produce, he was going to make music for it. Like it was just it was he was just going to do it all. Yeah, totally. I'm kind of curious to know, um, you know, obviously we'll get back to Timothy Chalamet, but, you know, this is such a Kid Cudi project. And I'm curious to know your kind of relationship to his work, because I I have like a very strange relationship to his output as a musician, where his first album, um, the first Man on the Moon album, his first kind of major release was an album I loved and like could listen to in any context for about a year and a half there, like listen to it at music, listen to it on the subway home from work, you know, played it on my crappy computer speakers, mm. um, listen to it when I wanted to feel sad or happy. Like it was just a full 360 experience for me. And then like none of his music since then has had quite that effect on me, but I definitely recognize him as someone who, you know, has kind of continued to sort of push what he does and do some interesting experiments. And as you mentioned, as an actor, you know, and we are who we are, 
that's a show where he's almost cast so against type if you know who Kid Cudi is. You know, he's this sort of forerunner, like, emo rapper and someone who's just super sensitive and, you know, has this kind of, like, science fiction angle to a lot of what he does, which certainly comes across in Intergalactic. And in We Are Who We Are, he's playing this, like, hardcore military dad who's also a Trump supporter. And in <laughs> hindsight, I, I'm not sure I even realized at the time just how much of a kind of unusual like opposite of persona performance that was i mean how you know it's still kind of used i think he has a real kind of natural melancholy that, that comes across really well um and the way that he used it there was really interesting this is a little more kind of like yeah like i imagine this is, this is how kid cuddy sort of imagines himself and like you know the the big problem in the movie is which totally gorgeous woman who loves him is he going to ultimately wind up with? And even, you know, you, you mentioned his work as an illustrator. I believe in the movie he is a street artist um, yes. doing graffiti with, with, with the character Mr. Rager. And he gets hired by Cosmic Comics, major comic book company, who you think maybe they're going to change him, but they don't. Spoiler alert, he doesn't change himself and he <laughs> becomes, Mr. Ranger becomes some sort of awesome comic book. And so there's, there's definitely a little bit of like celebrity coasting <laughs> yeah. involved in the movie. But but again, like, you know, it seems weird to complain about that. As you said, it's so kind of a project from him that's about him that's serving his music, which leads me back to what's your kind of Kid Cudi relationship? Like, have you listened to his, to his earlier music or are you kind of a... a into some of his musical non Luca Guadagnino related projects. <laughs> yeah, no, I I definitely like you that first album. Um, and they get they they get into this really interestingly in the documentary. Um, how different that first album was, and how he was really one of the first rappers that was like, yeah, I'm sad. I'm dealing with all of these feelings, and it was just kind of the first time, um, someone within that genre was really talking about that. So the first album. I kind of knew tertiarily, like it wasn't one that I listened to a lot, but it was one that I appreciated and liked a lot. I really came to know him mostly. And, you know, if you're listening to this right now, this isn't a really fun thing to say. And I have to imagine it's not going to be a fun thing to say in the future, but it's just the truth. I came to know him as a producer and collaborator with Kanye West because I have been a huge Kanye West fan in my life and like day to day. Um, that opinion holds different amounts of water and different amounts of weight. <laughs> uh as he becomes, you know, whatever he is within the culture right now. Um, You're talking about like 2008 through 2011, 12 Kanye West. I, yeah. I, we, we can recognize. And specifically, that was a time where he was someone who was recognizing that Kid Cudi, someone to kind of promote and work with. And I, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I think I, I don't think anybody will say that's a, that's a bad <laughs> that person left. That person left a while ago. <laughs> right. You know, yeah. I know. I just, uh, and I, I feel like because I am, and when I say I am a Kanye fan, I'm talking about his music and I'm mostly 99% I'm talking about the music kind of like pre-life of Pablo. Um, but that's a whole different podcast that I'll never produce that I don't need to talk about right now. But really the Cuddy collaborations on like 808s and Heartbreak. And that's an album that, you know, at the time people didn't understand it. Um, it definitely had, you know, it's it's people who celebrated it, but it was it's definitely been, I think, reappraised as something really yeah. interesting within within the rap genre. And at the time, I was 15, 16, I didn't understand like collaboration and production and all things. So, you know, a, a Kanye West album comes out, I assume it's Kanye West. But now, in hindsight, <laughs> understanding, you know, the imprint that Kid Cudi had on that album, I have just such a deeper appreciation for it. And I think that really even speaks to something that's so interesting about Cuddy is his collaborations. I think he likes working with people who challenge him and he likes working with people who push him out of his comfort zone. And it really seems like this Timothy friendship slash collaboration has pushed him into acting, which I think is super interesting. Yeah, definitely. Well, and again, I wonder if there is some sort of nudge to that just in the casting of, of Chalamet as one of his three friends. But yeah, that's interesting to hear that like you also kind of had a similar relationship to him because in some ways, I mean, you know, again, even knowing where Cuddy's been and his kind of ups and downs since then, like what I liked about Intergalactic was that like it, it almost did feel like, yeah, this is very much the mood of a Kid Cuddy album sort mm -hmm. of brought to life, you know, very much this kind of very romantic longing 
you know, even the kind of particular shade of purple that permeates New York in the in the movie. Uh, I was trying to look it up and decide if if it was neon amethyst pearl. That that sounds right to me. I'm not sure if it is. Like, I like that. That seems that seems to be on all of his albums. Um. So, but yeah, I I it's it's in in that sense it was fun just kind of getting into this because I did feel like you know whatever else it was doing on a dramatic or maybe not so dramatic level, it did feel very much like, you know, him kind of on screen. And, and yeah, to your point, um, you know, even the people that he was kind of working with bringing into it, um, you know, that was definitely kind of, um, kind of interesting. And then again, you know, you get the digital version of Timothy Chalamet, uh, cradling a kitty cat at one point. <laughs> <laughs> was that the high point for the, for the Chalamet watchers of for, for, for intergalactic? <laughs> Definitely up there. Yeah, I, I. it's such an interesting role to cast him in, because I think on one hand, he is uh, he is playing a little bit against type just because I would call this character a little bit more streetwise, a little bit more greasy than Timothy kind of comes off in his celebrity persona. But he's also a New York kid. Like, you know, so I think that there is this there there is a Jimmy somewhere in him, even if it's not, you know, it's. To, to use a to use a, a bad metaphor, if it if you know uh, on the astrology scale, it's not his sun sign, but maybe you know we're get, maybe Jimmy's like a rising sign. Like it's there's you know there's a little bit of Jimmy and Timmy. I think you're really onto something there. You know, I I was trying to think about um, glaring blind spots aside, which role does he ha- has he done previously in live action that most reminds me of this. And all I could kind of come up with was his character in Don't Look Up, um, where I, I have to say, like, uh, he, he is not the one through 100 worst problems with that movie. Um, but I, I wouldn't say he's especially, like, memorable in it either. And I almost wonder if it is just, like, the X fact you're describing is, like, Jimmy is, like, a New York kid. And... There's a part of any New York kid, however successful they become in their chosen field, who could become Jimmy, who's just someone who, like, you know, sells drugs but seems to do so in a largely legal way, but is still, you know, goes to every kind of party you can imagine. There's that one early montage where they're just doing, like, a night on the town. And, Mm -hmm. like, for most of us, it is, like, the craziest night out you can possibly imagine, where they go to one party and another party, and they go to the kind of speakeasy, and they go to the f- fancy, like, you know, near-rooftop penthouse party. And, like, for any kid raised in New York, like, that is a typical Tuesday night for them starting when they are 13, you know? Like, that's that's kind of... So I, 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 I do think... I think you're onto something that there is a, a weird, almost alternative biography going on with uh, him in this. It's so funny you bring that up, because when you said that, uh, the first thing that came to mind was like, oh, Gossip Girl didn't lie to us. It really is that fabulous to live in New York. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, it's, it's not quite, uh, again, there's the early line where um, Kid Cuddy's character meets his ex, and, you know, he sort of says, yeah, like, I just moved to Manhattan. She's like, wow. And there's, you're kind of like, okay, this movie is actually aware of the fact that, you know, living in a loft in Manhattan is pretty expensive. Um, but then it's like he's a comic book illustrator, uh, which is not a field that immediately gets you a, a loft in Manhattan. And his next door right. neighbor, who's also fabulous and awesome, uh, is, I believe, a photographer who's about to have her first gallery show. So, you know, I I, I wouldn't say that's a lie necessarily, but <laughs> I, I would say, uh, you know, again, we're sort of in the realm of like romantic New York more so than more so than I, I think at this point, the Jimmys probably live in Queens um, sure. uh, and and they're having a great time there, too, uh, by the way. Right, yeah, no, no shame in it, of course. Yeah, um, <laughs> it sounds like you really enjoyed Intergalactic and I enjoyed it, too, kind of on. Um, and again, uh, I feel like people say this in a shady way, and I don't mean it in a shady way. It's got great vibes, beautiful vibes. Like, the animation's beautiful. Um, kind of like what you were alluding to, Darren, I liked it most when it kind of was a Kid Cudi music video. And yeah. um, kind of it got more excited for those parts where it became um, more ethereal and um, 
you know non-linear and then not then that's not to say the story wasn't interesting i i enjoyed the story i thought it was a colorful cast of characters it was um you know the who's who of the voice acting was kind of exciting you know you you did the <laughs> thing where you like you pause and you try to go figure out like who was who i did not know the best friend was voiced by vanessa hudgens who is someone right. i am i i am always a big hudgens supporter and the fact that i did not know that is further proof that i am becoming an old person who is who is like voice blind <laughs> because when i realized that i was like wow like not only is this a cuddy hudgens collab which would have been very exciting to 2008 2009 me um but she was great in it too like she has a she she has a great i, I was kind of like I, I would love for her to play that character in way more things in real <laughs> yeah like, again like best friend vanessa hudgens and best friend timothy chalamet is not something we're likely to see in a real life movie but but it turns out they are very good at those kind of supporting parts <laughs> yeah exactly um yeah i i i just kept like my, my thought with that was like okay was did they, they have her in the offices for like some tick tick boom shit and they're like hey can you just like <laughs> pop in the recording booth we it's like a smaller part you, just a few things here uh by the way you're <laughs> pregnant okay go like <laughs> i have to imagine it with something like that i yeah i i, I would say probably not deep character work <laughs> i i think that is definitely uh definitely true i also didn't realize I, I'm, I'm looking at the cast list now that christopher abbott played uh reed who i think is the jessica williams's character's agent maybe agent and then did, did they allude to at one point they maybe dated or i couldn't quite something or I, there was like flirt vibes at least on his end as as you were saying the particulars of character interaction maybe not the main focal point of, of intergalactic yeah. but but like the feeling of being kid cuddy biking around new york and feeling sad was front and center that 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 came across very effectively <laughs> Right, exactly. And that the kind of goes to like my my biggest issue with it is and and it sounds so like kind of picky to get at Pick away. when I do really think at the end of the day we're we're talking about a beautiful Kid Cudi music video, but if they're going to make it 90 minutes long, I'm going to I'm going to find some in a critique. I didn't always appreciate how thinly characterized the female characters were. Like it was a lot of talking about dudes and, and at the same time like that is kind of a, a lot of the conversation between the male characters too as they're talking about their love life and things like that and i think they do give you know jabari and meadow like interesting creative careers but to your point there's no issue with jabari getting mr rager into a comic book meadow seems to be thriving and that's not to say i want to see people like struggle in their careers but like well, they do seem well, to be well, posting in, in that fairness, way the core of drama is people struggling which there is not very much of in this my <laughs> my issue with it it's funny you, you were kind of bringing up you know yeah like there's a bit of the almost kind of unreconstructed american pie stuff where it's kind of like now we're just gonna have scenes where like you know guys talk about how girls are and girls talk about how guys and, and everybody's talking about how they want to get laid and i'm like you know mm -hmm. i a little bit of that goes a long way. My my bigger issue with it, to your point, as a 90-minute project where you're kind of like, you've decided this is a narrative thing, um, with, with I, I, I do think, honestly, it, it is somewhat lazy to not make this a diegetic musical. Like, I, I the fact yeah. that the music only appears when people are kind of having, you know, moody walks around New York. Like, I, I, I think a project like this going the extra step of making it a musical where it's coming out of the characters' voices and kind of motivating the plot. I think that's a little bit essential with a 90-minute project, and not doing that is a little bit disappointing. But the, the bigger thing is, like, you know, again, I, I do think this is fundamentally a romantic comedy. Almost kind of in the spirit of the late 2000s romantic comedies, like, two characters meet and are perfect for each other, and nothing's wrong, and they're great, and their their careers line up, and they're both, you know, both attractive and both in a place where they're, you know, and, and then there's like a minor issue, which is easily resolved. And then they get together. <laughs> and, and I think, I think, I think you know, we could have had a little bit more of a, you know, romantic triangle or, or, or something like that. I, I think that gets at the vibes thing you're talking about, where that that seems to have been the main purpose in a way, more so than more so than throwing any problems into the path of of meadow and uh, jabari 
Right. Yeah. No. Totally. Um, we've talked about it, obviously, but let's let's jump into the Timmy Jimmy of it all. I mean, I first of all, I have to imagine the name, the character named Jimmy. I have to imagine that's just a, t- a Timmy. You know, that's just a Timmy reference. Even though no one else, I don't think anyone, any other character kind of gets like a a nod to the voice actor, but that just seems to line up a little too nice. Okay, but then what's what do we think his last name is? Is it Jimmy Jalame? Is it is it Jimmy? <laughs> <laughs> oh man! What if his last name canonically is Jimmy Dune? I think I think that would put a nice fine point on it. I like the idea that it's Jimmy Dune and Jalame is one of the strains of weed that he grows. I think that <laughs> that lines up nicely. It's definitely. I, again, you would know this better than me. I was trying to remember if Timothy Chalamet has smoked weed in any of his previous films and i felt like in ladybird i thought they were just underage like drinking or something like that but i i couldn't totally remember this is all to say jimmy's main character trait is his primal focus on marijuana (laughs) right exactly uh you know i'm some of the like and that's the whole thing about this is the thing they don't tell you about making a podcast about one actor is you got to watch all their movies and a lot of them are bad. They just don't tell you that before you start. In his Netflix King movie, was there, was there a scene where he got out a like medieval gravity bong? A medieval and... bong. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made, and I famously enjoyed the King. That would have made the King a lot better if he had done that. Um, you, well, you were, you were one of the five people who saw it in the theater, I think, right? Isn't that? Oh, I did. Uh... <laughs> oh, I, I, I live in the city of Chicago and I drove, to Highland Park, a suburb of Chicago, to see the King in a theater, and I dragged four of my friends along with me, and they're still my friends. I like the idea of the Netflix uh, people were like, "Listen, we know Dane's going to see this. How can we make it just a little bit of a journey for him to go and see this? We're not gonna, we're not gonna book it at any of the city theaters." No, I, I think that conversation legitimately happened because in this in the Chicago area, we have two landmarks, famously independent cinemas. And they didn't put it in the one that is a 10-minute walk from my condo. They put it in the one that's a 40-minute drive from my condo. So they said... That came down from from Ted Sarandos himself. He was like, we can't make this easy. We we cannot make this easy on on Dane. Absolutely not. Yeah, he so so looking looking at Timmy's filmography, he has done some drug movies. He did the Adderall Diaries. He did Hot Summer Nights. Duh, okay. Um, I know the the Adderall Diaries, the 2015 James Franco vehicle. How can you forget? Um, <laughs> and then he did play um a drug addict in Beautiful Boy, but um pot was cer- certainly not the biggest issue for for Nick Chef in that movie. So so Timmy has played. He has played drug users on screen, but there is something about Jimmy that's so, like, innocent and innocuous. Like, it, it, I feel like Beautiful Boy is obviously a very traumatic movie about drug use and very insidious drugs as opposed to weed. Which is kind of like what you said. Like, he, he deals in mostly legal drugs, so it almost alludes to, like, some slightly more nefarious stuff. Nothing like, you know— to you know we're not talking like opioids or heroin or anything but there is kind of like a slight <laughs> nod to maybe like a little bit more of like a party drug that jimmy could yes. be dabbling in yes yeah I, I think you're right i also had a bit of difficulty figuring out precisely how old he was supposed to be and yeah i i guess it, it, part of that is just you know kid cuddy who is kind of eternally a, a like emo 20 something but is i believe actually 40 now versus mm-hmm. timothy chalamet who i just checked this is 26 possibly that is correct yep turning um, 27 in december uh, of course uh happy chalamet's <laughs> day to, to, to everyone <laughs> <laughs> happy happy sorry timothy chalamet to everyone there we go i, I got there eventually there it is. um the character seemed so young to me which and again curious to hear your thoughts on this as the expert with Timothy with Timothy Chalamet, I do associate him with world weary is not the right word, but I certainly associate him with being someone who I think just just because of the eyes, I don't necessarily think of him as being a super relaxed character on screen. Um, mm-hmm. And so I just felt like maybe it was fun for him being the character who was more the kind of goofball and more the person who you know just 
is the friend who is almost more the kind of holy fool compared to certainly compared to um the other friend who's played by uh oh my gosh the guy whose name i'm totally forgetting uh ty dollar sign thank you yes ty dollar sign um (laughs) to be honest those two together were just kind of fun where i was kind of like this this is the had there been the full intergalactic tv show the the bottle episode with the two of them would have been very entertaining (laughs) (laughs) not to say like i'd want to like copy and paste this exact crew but like imagining like the live action intergalactic that came to you from the the producers of like atlanta doing the ty dollar sign uh timothy chalamet bottle episode like that would have just like (laughs) that would have just been amazing um but yeah i i I don't know do you think like this character for him was just kind of a fun break from the the more kind of central protagonist characters that he's playing in in films both indie-ish and wonka-ish yeah i th- i think that's exactly it i think like i would describe jimmy as somewhat of like a jester in this story yes. and he's just there yes. to have fun and i think that I think that maybe that's something when you're look like like you said he's you know he's when he's doing his dunes and his wonkas and all these projects I think he does those and I and I don't think it's even like a one for them one for me I actually do think he see cuz you know he's not just doing he's not doing um you know no disrespect on his name he's not doing Michael Bay's dune he's doing Denny Villeneuve's new like you know like it's he's and he's he's working with the thing with Wonka too is like, and like, do not get me wrong, I have concerns about Wonka, but it's also directed by Paul King, you know, who did both Paddingtons. Like, like I, I, I do think he's excited about these projects, even though they are like his bigger budget studio projects. But then when you look at what he's doing outside of that, like Intergalactic, or um, he's got a movie coming out next month uh, from Luca Guadagnino called Bones and All, where he is playing a supporting role. Um, looking like less of a jester more of a cannibal in this case but it almost seems like he does these big top of the call sheet roles and then he likes to retreat into the sub like that's really and and um having seen both of his movies with greta where i think in both of those he's playing supporting roles i think he does like to kind of go off and you know uh you know take take a take a break from these big crazy projects and do these smaller projects where he's not the center i think that's kind of seems like his vibe recently I think you're right. It's interesting to, um, you know, with Wonka, obviously, movie hasn't movies still far away, so can't judge anything. But I, I do think that you're right to point out that he's not doing like Ambulance by Michael Bay. Like, <laughs> you know, he's he, he's not even doing, you know, um, Jake Gyllenhaal is a different kind of actor. But I think you would have said in the mid 2000s, he was someone who in a similar way was able to do lots of different types of movies and was a a handsome young actor with actual acting chops who who, those don't necessarily come along and become major movie stars that often and like you know he did prince of persia like i i i i i i I, I do think you're right that like you know as he's moving into this bigger franchisier space you know again sight unseen for a couple of the movies they are not necessarily on paper the absolute worst decisions but yeah i um again just <laughs> you know you were mentioning how with vanessa hudgens was it just kind of like hey you're here do you mind recording like two pages of dialogue and boom you're in this it sounded like timothy chalamet was having fun with this character and even i i wondered if there was some improvising involved just in um in the scene i think it's in the bodega like that sounded a little bit more like freewheeling and maybe a little bit more like um you know you're timothy chalamet we'll let the mic run for a while here yeah definitely we 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 trust you to discover you know funny things in in this character (laughs) that might not necessarily be there on the on the page (laughs) right and i think that given you know it's funny to call like a 90 minute netflix project something low stakes but that's just where we are in our day and age because netflix puts out a billion things a day but it almost feels like because of the low stakes of the project it almost kind of gives him that chance to like relax and 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 improvise and and try something different because like yeah even listening to his his voice performance and which i'm going to use the keyword you know i don't want to allude too much to where i'm going to rate 
the attractiveness and the hair on the peach rating, but this is not a character that looks like Timothy Chalamet. And <laughs> as much as I appreciate his talent and his charisma and his personality, uh, there's a lot riding too on how great he looks. And I'm Jimmy did not they did not clearly base Jimmy's look off of Timothy. <laughs> So I did a lot of listening because I wasn't necessarily like, ooh, Jimmy's on screen. Got to look at that, you know, hot, hot New York <laughs> drug dealer man. Um, he is doing a lot of really interesting vocal stuff because, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, it sounds like you've done your research and I'm super appreciative for that, Darren. Um, I'm not sure if you got in the nitty gritty of, you know, watching red carpet videos and, you know, digging into the weeds like I do when I'm bored. Um, but his his talking voice is very different than Jimmy. Like, like I said, it's he he's a New York kid, but he's not that kind of New York kid. Like he is a bit more uh, Manhattan versus Queens to use a, an example you made. So mm-hmm. listening to him kind of put a little bit of grease on that, you know, that yes. New York kid. Like I, I just, I really appreciated that. And I think that even though, like I was saying, I watching the movie, I got more excited for kind of the, the more vibey music video angles of it. I really did enjoy listening to his his voice performance. Again, it, it it sort of got me wondering, I mean, you know, we're sort of in this age now where it seems like even the choosiest major actors will kind of just wind up doing vocal cameos here and there. And I, I, I think the pandemic kind of accelerated that where for a while it was just kind of like, I'm a famous actor with nothing to do. I'm just going to, you know, I'll just like appear in a, in a cartoon or something like that. I think with that has come this realization that like, there are some people who, even if they're like, you know, really good or really interesting actors, like, they just don't have interesting voices. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like we actually are maybe missing the era of just like the great voice actors and, you know, when they all get replaced by people who are celebrities, that that's kind of lame. But yeah, I, I don't know. He has a very interesting voice, Timothy Chalamet. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I'm sure you've, you know, I, I've not done the deep dive into all the red carpet interviews as you have, but I, I certainly have this constant feeling with him of like, you know, just because visually... He's such a good-looking guy and a very unique-looking guy and definitely someone who, in the roles that he chooses to play, does all different kinds of, of personalities. But his voice always kind of surprises me. And I don't know if it's just, like, a little deeper than I expect or if it's just, as you said about his kind of, like, Manhattan addictions, if there's that. Um, this is all to say that, yeah, like, I, I wonder if that's something that he'll be exploring even more uh, going forward. It does make me wonder... Because I'm not sure. Do we know? Is he doing like a Wonka voice? Is he? Is he? Is he doing a a a distinct like thing with 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 young Willy Wonka? Because I'm very curious about that. <laughs> yeah, you've got to wonder because the last time we saw Willy Wonka portrayed on screen, uh, Johnny Depp was certainly making some choices with those vocal yes. those vocal stylings disturbing yeah as Willy Wonka and that was the case when it came out and, and, and was a huge blockbuster hit so like that, that is not that's that's it, it seems more so now but it was already the case at, at the time so we haven't gotten a trailer we haven't seen or heard anything yet um I do want to say because I do see these things on my Twitter timeline I want to say there was a video from them shooting on six so it is a musical I don't know if you know that the Wonka is a musical um so we're gonna get Timothy singing which is super exciting um, I believe in one of the set videos there was like playback, and we you you could like hear his vocal, like not like crystal clear, and it sounded pretty normal. So I don't okay. think we're getting a Wonka voice. I think I think when he starts the press tour, Dane, you you can give me a wink. I know you snuck on set. I know you've <laughs> I know you were there for for all of his vocal for all of his 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 vocal tryouts. Like it's okay. Yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> set video that had some playback i I get it that's fine wink wink nudge nudge okay sources close to the production have told me yes exactly (laughs) i've used that workaround before (laughs) (laughs) yeah whether listen i got my degree in journalism i know how to how to spin the yarn i get it um i I, yeah i'm I'm super excited for like i said I, i i get why people aren't but like the paul king of it all like i just i really if if someone's going to get a Wonka movie, I'm going to trust the guy who did Paddington and Paddington 2. You and my children. So uh, that's 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 <laughs> a couple that's a couple trustworthy people there. Um, but yeah, uh, this is again, this is all to say 
I'm hopeful for where he's going, but it was very funny watching this 90 minute movie, TV, whatever project and feeling like, and you know, I think this is something I feel with a lot of actors today where I'm like, you know, we live in a world where you can star in a two part mega budgeted science fiction epic and you can star in a, I assume, equally hugely budgeted musical prequel thing. And, and that's all good. And I also like that, you know, we live in a world where Luca Guadagnino gets to do what he does and cast people to walk across the background of random scenes. But (laughs) I did have this weird feeling watching this where I was kind of like, you know, Chalamet is an actor who's kind of here where there's no like platonic version of the Hollywood drama or comedy. Like, you know, I'm not sure of all the roles he's looking at. I'm not sure like, you know romantic comedy in new york city is one that's even viable for him um and that that may be sad because i don't know i wonder if in a weird way this like psychedelic out there musical love story is kind of the one time he gets to play as you said like a a funny sort of greasy guy who's you know the one member of a friendship trio like I, i i sort of wonder if in a weird way there's almost a you know what's it look like in a world where there's more of these kinds of movies probably actually live action um being made so in, in that sense just for him specifically again i wonder if it's there's sort of a fun escape in in, in doing this b- between whatever wonka and dune 2 wind up being <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was gonna say like the closest thing we've gotten to like a new york rom-com from timothy other than intergalactic is unfortunately his movie with woody allen so um <laughs> intergalactic definitely the superior choice there we've touched we've touched on franco depp and allen i think i think that's a hat trick that's a that's a chalamet hat trick right there (laughs) awesome well darren let's move on to rating so uh so like i said we're gonna rate on the peach scale i know you haven't seen call me by your name but i have to imagine you're aware that there is a famous peach within the movie that is integral to a certain scene. Okay. Yep. So let's go ahead and rate the movie one to five peaches. Um, and I, I'm using the word movie. We've said television special. We've said uh, adult animation, musical, you know, there's a lot of, I, I believe Netflix categorized it as a special presentation. So I guess we'll <laughs> go with that, I suppose. For me, it's like a three out of five peaches. I think, um, like I said, Great vibes, beautiful vibes. Um, loved. I lo- thought it looked gorgeous. Um, certainly didn't have like any like jarring complaints watching it. I just I wish there was like a little more there. There. I wish, like you said, there was been a little bit more conflict. Um, I think kind of almost in like this was conceived as a television series in classic like first season fashion. Recently, I feel like by the very last minute i was most excited for what was going to come next and i was wanting more and now obviously we don't know if that's going to be the case so and that being said too i thought all the voice performances were really fun i think the music is really good um you know as i kind of alluded to i'm not like the biggest kid cuddy um fan but like i did listen to this album again after watching the special and i think there's a lot of good stuff there um so yeah i just think it's it's good there's such a, I don't know, the songs had a real, like, sweetness to them, actually. Again, mm-hmm. I, I think that's what I most reacted to. Yeah, I, I think three out of five sounds right to me, just because I think, like you, there's a part of me that's like, you know, there's a lot of elements here, you know, with the animation style. And even besides that, just with the, the real life characters and their interactions, I'm kind of like, you know, like, if there were any dramatic conflict at all, this might actually be a pretty solid, you know, romance, a pretty solid kind of comedy. Um, but yeah, uh, um, I think that uh, there were times watching it where I'd be like a little bit bored or annoyed. And then I'd say, you know what? Like, this is very much the Kid Cudi vision. And I, I, I think that like, you know, what's working about that is good. Um, and then, yeah, mm-hmm. uh <laughs> I think was it was it Laura Harrier who was just playing the ex who was sending like Sal like I, I think that character could have used some more work but 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 mm-hmm. again like it, it's almost like she exists to create tension and then immediately like deflate it so I I think that goes back to the vibes thing you were talking about where it's like it's a story fundamentally about two really nice people who got together like the end. right <laughs> yeah it's like it's like there's only so much actual analytical like deconstruction you can put behind it before you just realize like 
this is silly. I just need to. Yeah. I just need yeah. to enjoy what I'm enjoying. So I think. Yeah. I think. I think. I think. Like like three out of five sounds sounds right to me. And, and again, as you were saying, like just you know the the visual landscape it's creating is you know again don't know what the shade of purple was, but I like it. Right. Perfect. You know, I I liked what you what did you come you said something amethyst. I, I was literally at times like Googling, like, you know, you can Google like shades of a color and see the, the kind of square <laughs> lineup. And I was like putting it up against the screen and I, I, I landed on an, like neon amethyst. I'm not sure that's true. I If there's any Love purple that. chromatic experts out there, please let me know. What is what is the Kid Cudi shade of purple that appears so often in his <laughs> visual output? <laughs> if Pantone is listening, please let us know. <laughs> Awesome. Uh, so Timmy's performance, I feel like we had a lot of great things to say. Uh, like I said, um, and, and it, listeners of the show know, I'm always more than happy. Like, I feel like that's almost like my my struggle with this show is like sometimes I feel uh, beholden to the Chalamet of it all. And I have to always say nice things. And I don't always say nice things. I'm I'm always happy to critique him. Um, but this is uh, a, a great case where i actually think he delivers a great performance not surprising um because he's a great actor but yeah i i'm so impressed by um like we were talking about the vocal range and i think he's really doing something different um it's not like a 180 oh look at chalamet he's you know whatever the like getting ugly to win an oscar equivalent of like dirtying (laughs) up for an animation movie is um he's not doing that but he is he's playing a little against type and he's just having a lot of fun um, and he, I think he really delivers a lot of the laughs in the movie. So for yeah. performance, I'd go like four and a half out of five. I think it's, I think it's a really solid performance and, you know, I don't think it's going to necessarily be the, um, the vocal performance that finally convinces the Oscars to like create a vocal performance Oscar, but it's great. <laughs> He's great. He, listen, the, the way the Emmys work, he could win an Emmy for this. You never know. Oh, like, that's true. I... Yeah. <laughs> There is like the Emmy the Emmy category rules around this stuff are very unclear. So if he if he winds up winning like best actor in a limited series, like yeah, you you never know. Um, but yeah, uh, I think yeah, I I'd, I'd say just like to me, it's like totally solid for like again mm-hmm. like right away was excited. It was his voice doing this character right away. Felt like he was being super exuberant and you know ha- having fun with it. And uh, I I think you know there were definitely some other vocal performances where people seemed either less invested or maybe just like overselling it in the wrong way. And yeah, he was just having a lot of fun. I I think that's like, like Chalamet having fun is a new thing I want to see more of and and hope there is room for that in the kind of bigger stuff that he's working on. Yeah. 100%. Um, Yeah. I was going to say like, didn't uh, like Chip and Dale rescue Rangers just get like an Emmy nomination for like best TV movie. So (laughs) really all bets are off. I feel like, we don't really find out like what's Emmy eligible like until the nominations come out. So yeah, I feel like a year from now maybe maybe we'll see. I, I listen. I at this point, and there are things that are. This is a slight tangent, but there's a, a TV show that I like um, quite a bit. The uh, show on Adult Swim and HBO Max called Primal, which is from Gendy Tartakovsky, who previously did Samurai Jack and a bunch of other things that um, people like. But it, it it like fully won an Emmy, which was huge for the show because it's a like speaking of the genre, it's an adult animation show that is mm-hmm. super violent and dramatic and all this stuff. And usually the animation Emmys just go to the usual suspects of um, comedy. Uh, cartoons but but the season that it won an emmy for i believe it was either that season the previous season was also strung together in chapter form and submitted as a movie to the oscars for (laughs) for for animated feature film and it it wasn't it was not nominated but i i i do think that there's there's a lot of you know general haziness around what constitutes what uh, at this point but i would not be surprised given the sheer amount of Emmys that are out there if, if Intergalactic winds up somewhere in the animated space um, next year. Because as you pointed out, it just, it does look super distinctive. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that, yeah. that, that sort of, the, that sort of street art space culture um, sort of version of New York City. Um, you know, that's, that's definitely unique in the uh, animated landscape. All right, let's get into his attractiveness. So as I said... <laughs> In the episode, Jimmy is not Timmy, so there's already there's already a little bit a little bit there that I'm lacking. Um, it's not that Jimmy's not attractive. There was definitely like a Dane, probably in college, who like would have had a Jimmy experience. Like if I'm being really if I'm being my really honest self, 
it probably would have happened. I don't know if I would have been thrilled about it the next day. Um, but that being said, Jimmy, not totally my type, a little greasy, a little, a little too fast and loose. Um, so for me, it's like a two out of five. Cause like, there is a little bit of that, like a little bit of that danger, but like ultimately just like not my total vibe would have loved to hung out, hung out with him would have definitely tried whatever strain of weed he was like most excited about that day. Um, but, uh, but for, for me on attractiveness, it's going to be a, a two out of five peaches. Two to five. That's rough. I think that's fair. I would say three just because okay. um, th- this, th- so Intergalactic has a bit of the same issue as a previous Kid Cudi uh, project that he was in. Uh, did you ever watch the HBO show How to Make It in America, um, where he was, uh, I think, friends with the guys who were creating a gene company? Was this this track for for Young Dane? I I remember I remember hearing the title, but I did not watch it. This this was the era where HBO, which was coming off of like one of the greatest decades a TV network has ever had, HBO was suddenly like you know what? There's this thing called Brooklyn and we are doing a lot of shows about Brooklyn. And there's so much excitement with the young people in Brooklyn. And, and some of the shows were pretty solid. I'm a, I'm a big girls person, despite it all. Um, mm-hmm. But, but this was a show that I, I think was about guys coming from Brooklyn and, and downtown uh, Manhattan who were creating a jeans company. Uh, it was partially inspired by the life of Mark Wahlberg uh, as all great <laughs> TV shows are. Um, but uh, Kid Cudi was, in that and and a a big problem with the show was it was kind of meant to be a show about like you know this this group of guy friends and they're all really distinctive and stuff um but they were all just like super attractive dudes and you're kind of like this is this feels like the the very much the tv version of what this would be like in real life and i do think that there's a little bit of that in this in this movie where like you know jimmy Yes, he's like a kind of greasy drug dealer, but like he looks like a fit guy, and you know he's he's got a nice like you know he, he like so in that sense I feel like I'm gonna give him three just because like I actually sort of believed this animated pretty decent looking guy was also kind of a, as you said like you know endearingly endearingly kind of street level possibly criminal guy um, so I, mm-hmm. I I would say. He brings a little bit of the bad boy energy, which I think is attractive in an animated, in an adult animated character, um, even though he looks like a pretty handsome model dude. <laughs> like, like, as yeah. you said, as you said, the, 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 the face is not quite capturing distinctiveness of, of Timothy Chalamet. I think it's, it's fair to say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Let's talk hair or lack thereof, I guess, because uh, it's pretty sure I'm pretty sure Jimmy has a fade. So I. I I'm struggling to to rate the hair because, like, again, and I know as the inventor of the peach scale, I get to be as objective or subjective as I want to be. But, like, it's hard to rate the hair when the hair is barely there. So as I was looking at a photo of Jimmy to remind myself what he looked like, I just found myself looking at his eyebrows because those are, like, much more distinctive and interesting than his buzz cut. And I, you know, again, as the inventor of the peach rating, I feel like I can I can make of it as I want. If I want to base it kind of on the eyebrows, I can. So I don't know. I'll, I'm going to be a little chaotic. I'm going to say two and a half out of five. I'm going to say two okay. and a half peaches because I, for me, truly the buzz cut, it would have been maybe like a one. But then looking at the eyebrows, I don't know. They, they were working for me. Well, now, but let me ask you this before I give my rating. Sure. Did you have the thought at any point watching this? Did you find yourself thinking, like, what would Timothy Chalamet look like with this specific, like, fade, with this, like, almost, like, shaved head look? Like, if he showed up tomorrow and looked like that, what, how how do you think? Because not, not everyone can pull that off necessarily. You know, the hair is just so integral to his persona i mean i know darren i i i did you did you see the king or just did that did you you didn't make it to the same theater i did to see the king no i didn't make it to 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 the theater nor to the click down three slots when it was (laughs) on the front page of of netflix (laughs) so so when timmy did the king the bull cut shook the chalamet community it was it was a big deal and lines were drawn fights were had <laughs> i do believe at one point i did defend the bull cut i don't regret that 2019 was a different time um but i feel like 
given how controversial the bowl cut was, I feel like the buzz cut, I don't know. I mean, we already survived one pandemic. I don't know what a Timothy Chalamet buzz cut would, would bring down <laughs> upon us. But if he shows up tomorrow, am I going to say no? Of course not. <laughs> you saying this makes me feel like at some point in his career, he will do this just to kind of test himself. Like, he'll be kind of like, listen, like, is it is it just the hair? What am I without this? Like, you know, I, I, sure. I'm going to do the full Alien 3 thing now and just see. Um, I think it's a fair response. I, I thought something similar. I also thought that uh, just the hair, lack of a hair, for me, it's zero out of five. Don't think it's a good look <laughs> on a digital avatar. Don't think it'd be a good look on actual on actual Chalamet. I, I think I, I think that even listen, bull cuts are bull cuts. Uh, I don't think I'm really on either side of that, but I do think that there's at least a case to be made for it. No, not at all, not at all. And and even you saying that, I like immediately like my gut instinct was like. Okay, so this is how I defend the buzz cut. He had to he had to see how he existed outside. Like I that's where immediately my head went, and that's why you know I'm the perfect person to host this podcast because no one else <laughs> has to think about these things. When he does young Ripley like the Alien Three prequel, <laughs> that's that's when we'll finally directed by the Paddington guy. That's when we'll see. That's when we'll finally <laughs> see if it all if it all lines up. <laughs> You think Ridley Scott's going to take the meeting with Paul King? <laughs> Ridley Scott's like, listen, I saw Paddington 2 and loved it. And I think that the Xenomorph, people don't realize how nice the Xenomorph is. Let's let's change the narrative here. The new Xenomorph is, is helping his community out. I, I think I think that's a good, it's a good line of approach. <laughs> <laughs> the Xenomorph, but he's quirky and helpful. I like it. I honestly, I like it. And I think there's a role for Timothy in it. I really think that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome well darren i think that about does it for our 20th episode of chalamet you made it you made it to the 20th episode i'm so glad we got to save that one for you i'm so excited and again whenever you find yourself uh realizing you've been foolish and that it's time to dig into his one second cameo and we are who we are i i, I am i will be honored to come back for an actual tv show i know you changed the rules sure. a little bit today to to accommodate me and i thank you for that but any any time we want to discuss the 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 brief blink and you miss it cameo from we are who we are i am i am uh, i i'm excited to discuss it in depth <laughs> yeah i'm sure yeah i'm sure i'm sure we could we could get that into an hour like that's yeah we we, we there's there's enough there there i think you know there's probably enough like grainy screen grabs we can get to do like an accurate rating of all of the of all of the peach scales i think i think we can do it <laughs> and yes you will you will for sure be invited back for that um but yeah darren like i said thank you so so much i know um uh by following you you are a bit of an elusive uh presence on the internet but would you like people to to follow you if you so desire people can always reach out to me at mark orion 625 on twitter <laughs> uh uh any any thoughts you have about uh, anything i've said today direct them right to that twitter account please <laughs> <laughs> perfect perfect yeah and uh marker ryan 625 also will be taking his first trip to disneyland soon so if you have any recommendations for him there you can also let him know that as well <laughs> well darren like i said thank you so much for being here i would be remiss if i didn't point out that i think you are truly one of the most um intellectual and interesting voices on the internet um uh if you'll allow me the brief uh tangent i was and i i believe i've told you this before but i was an entertainment weekly subscriber probably from when i was like 12 or 13 um read every issue front to back and um once i sort of came to actually like recognize the names in the magazine yours was one that always stuck out to me um and i always enjoy your writing i still enjoy your writing um and by uh randomly looking at your twitter account one day that's how i found the Vidiots Video Store show, which is how I then became friends with Clay and then obviously was inspired to make this podcast. So um, just thank you for all of that and being awesome. And like I said, you have such uh, an intel. I was trying to figure out how to say this earlier. You have such an intellectual yet like I couldn't come up with the right adjective for it because I'm not as good of a writer as you are, but it's like if an intellectual also understood that the OC was like one of the greatest TV shows of all time. Like that is what, that is how you write. And it is just, it, 
it's always a delight to you're, to see your byline. Well, well, a you're too kind. B if anything I've done led to your discovery of uh, Vidiot Store and screen drafts and making this, then like that's way more impressive than pretty much anything I, I've done in my writing. Would also just say uh, the OC is one of the greatest shows of all time, and specifically the fourth season of the OC is one of the best seasons of all time. So let's like like you know. Uh, 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 among the high points there, Chris Pratt was never better. So I'll just say there's 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 <laughs> lots there's lots to appreciate there on a deep intellectual level. So let's let's just let's just be very clear about that. But that's that's very kind to of you. Uh, super excited to finally be on here, uh, and, and excited that this is this is the ongoing journey of you with Chalamet's filmography. I mean, I'm I I I I would say again, I you know, excited about any movies that are coming out. I'm both excited and unexcited about them. You know, never judge a movie before it comes out. But with Wonka, I think I'm mainly excited about your <laughs> episode about Wonka. <laughs> that's 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 what I'm looking forward to for 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 a couple of years now. So thank you, thank you for all your for, for all your hard work and and efforts in in this uh, in in this area. <laughs> someone, someone, someone's got to do it. And all I'll say about OC season four uh, is that when I inevitably spin off this podcast to do a female actor, uh, Willa Holland will definitely make the short list of people I will yes. consider. <laughs> yes, yes, I would be ec ecstatic to hear that. Uh, th that is that is an immediate that is an immediate Patreon sign up. Just just know that there is there there is a Willa Holland Nation out there that is awaiting that. Just just exactly. make sure it's make sure it's episode by episode for 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 all of her output. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> all right. Well, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the Dane McDonald. The show is on Twitter and Instagram. On Twitter, we are Chalamet Chasing. On Instagram, we are Chasing Chalamet. Please consider giving us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and sharing this with the Timothy Chalamet fan in your life. Chasing Chalamet is hosted and produced by me, Dane McDonald. The show is also produced and edited by Will Bybee. Our theme music is by Jacob Horn. You can hear more from him and his band, the Jacob Horn Trio, on Spotify, Apple Music, and Bandcamp. Our cover art was designed by Jessica Deal. You can find more of her work at jessicadeal.com. And until next time, later. <laughs> <laughs>